0: Would you rather we were only allowed to score bicycle kicks or or Vicario took all of our set pieces for the entire season including penalties, throw free kicks, corners. Oh my God. What do you think would have the worst impact on our results? So if we score a goal that's not a bicycle kick it doesn't count. How long do you think it would take the commentators to realise that that's the rules we were playing if we were only allowed to score bicycle kicks? (laughs) Hello, listeners, and welcome to an extra special episode of the Plus Dave podcast. We are, of course, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave, all of whom join me today for what is our second birthday celebration, our birthday party, and the party has started. I am currently holding a glass of scotch. Elio has a glass of wine in his hand. Dave has a glass of Pepsi Max because he's getting old and he's not feeling at the top of his game. But nevertheless, we're going to do our best to get into the party special spirit today. And yeah, it is our two-year anniversary, or at least it was the other day, our two-year anniversary. So we are going to have a bit of a celebration today. And if you tuned in today for some high-end, academic, cutting-edge analysis, I sincerely apologize because that's not what you're going to find on today's episode. It's going to be something of a free-for-all. It's going to be chaotic. It might come as something of a surprise, but at least on our regular episodes, we normally have something approaching an agenda or a plan. Today, we have nothing of the sort. Today is going to be a little bit wild. We're going to see how we get on. But what we do have is a lot of questions that you listeners have been very kind enough to send in to us. So we're going to try and work through a few of those and just have a bit of a general all-out Q&A session about Spurs, about the podcast, about football, about utterly ridiculous things that come into the conversation. So I can't wait for it. And joining me, starting with a man who's been here all the way since episode one, a man who is always the main man when he goes out for a family roast. It is Elio. Elio, welcome. How are you doing? Two years. Are you enjoying the
1: birthday so far? I'll let you know when we've had more of it. But no, no, I'm really... (laughs) happy that we've actually kept this going for two years. It's been a really good vehicle to have to deal with the general trauma that is being a Spurs fan.
0: It's therapy, isn't it?
1: It is therapy, but also it means that we get a false sense of entitlement to our views and the right to be listened (laughs) to above others, which
0: is something that very much speaks to me. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but hopefully we don't get too big and get to our heads anyway. Um, Another man who's been here since day one and of course he has because the show's named after him is Dave Dave welcome back I know you're not feeling 100% but I hope your spirits are high for our anniversary birthday special how are you feeling? two years in feeling good feeling
2: two years young ready for the next two
0: yeah yeah, interesting exactly. The to- next two are as good as the
2: first two. Exactly, if not better. Interesting yeah. what's going to happen on this pod because, you know, not, mm.
0: not, not a normal one. So, you know, interesting to know how much I can contribute. Well, we kind of tried to collaborate on arranging it, didn't we? But then just didn't really bother. So it's almost like, you know, when you're in primary school and you do that thing where you, you draw a face and then fold it down and someone else draws the body and then fold it down and you kind of unwrap it to see what it looks like. I kind of feel like that's how we've prepared this podcast. Like we, we're not really collaborated, but we, we're just going to kind of throw our bits in here and there so third and final guest socks welcome back you're the newest member of the plus day podcast you were a listener for a long time so you've seen us grow from our first day how's that experience been watching us go from day one to episode 83 is this it must have been quite an experience and now joining the team as a regular
3: yeah to be honest i wasn't even sure what today's recording was i thought we were doing a big quiz until about 10 minutes ago when you said there's not going to be a quiz so i'm not entirely <laughs> sure why we're here, there, might what be, we're doing. But
0: there might be there might be who
3: knows i've got nothing better to do so i'm just happy to be here i'm just happy to be involved for as long as i continue to be invited so thank you.
0: <laughs> well, I say I didn't do any preparation, but what I did do earlier, just out of pure curiosity, is I whacked on episode one. I don't know if any of you guys have done this since then, but I went all the way back to that first episode in September 2021, just to listen to the contrast. And I think the first observation I had is I sound like way more of a dick nowadays. I feel like I've just got this kind of smug, smarmy tone to my voice, like I'm trying to be some radio presenter, whereas I feel like I actually sounded a little bit more like a human being in the first episode. But yeah, it was quite interesting to hear. And Sox, you actually sent in a question, a little listener question for the first episode i can't remember what it was it was something brainy and tactical that elio struggled to answer (laughs) but yeah it's mad thinking how far we've come since then dave be honest did you think we'd be going two years later and and do you regret it
2: um (laughs) no i don't think so realistically i i I mean you know this all came about from a like you said it all came from a whatsapp group for a wedding that then evolved into a spurs group where i was just you know every few days just poking fun of you guys and now it's turned into this you know 83 episodes in podcast that's two years old i mean it's Mm. fair play to our resilience that we're still going but um but yeah I, i wouldn't have said i would have expected it to last this long but i do enjoy it so
0: i'm happy it has yeah, I must admit there were a few late nights where I was up editing episodes before I really knew what I was doing taking six hours to put together an episode thinking there's no way we can keep doing this but well, jokes aside just seeing people listening to it and seeing the numbers coming in definitely gave us some inspiration to carry on so thank you all you guys for listening uh, and on that note in touching on what Dave just said yes, we did start our life as a WhatsApp group chat once upon a time that was the very first form of the Plus Day podcast a WhatsApp chat created to organize and keep on top of a stag and that stag happened to be in the lovely, beautiful island of Cyprus where three of the four of us can trace our heritage back to. We are all fellow Greeks, just like Big Ange. He's from Greece. And I think Cyprus is, uh, is an interesting one because obviously it has a special place in our hearts, obviously all being Greece and having family there and the three of us are parents from there. But also, interestingly, and this is kind of wild, looking at the charts recently for the podcast, where I get information as to where we are in various charts across the world. And we somehow, and I don't know how this has happened, we somehow ended up being top of the charts, not just for football podcast but for all sports podcasts in all of cyprus which is unbelievable so shout out to all the cypriot listeners out there everyone in cyprus listening to this right now thank you so much lovely lovely to see and i know some people are probably sitting there thinking yeah it's cyprus they've they've probably got about you know 300 people on the island and a bunch of goats but actually there's (laughs) 1.3 million people in the country so it's actually quite mad that that happened um elio jill word for our, our cypriot listeners No, actually. Um, (laughs) it's taken 83 episodes and Elio's run out of words. We finally did it. Um,
1: I mean, obviously, it's nice that the country we have a connection with likes the thing we do that we're passionate about. So thank you. Mm -hmm. No, it's pleasant. It's a nice, weird little quirk that has put a little spring in the step.
0: I love it. I mean, there was a part of me that thought maybe it's just that as... Stereotypical Greece. We just have so many cousins and uncles and aunts in Cyprus that it's just like send it around the family and that's just going to spread across the whole group. But no, it's um, amazing how many people are listening to us. I don't know the exact numbers, but thanks to all our Cypriot listeners. Coming back to episode one, listening back to it earlier, it's eerily familiar, actually. We were sitting, well, I was going to say near the top of the league. We were top of the league when we recorded our first episode. We had a a new manager in charge who had just been nominated for manager of the month. We had uh, a player who had just been nominated for player of the month. Anyone remember who that player was? he's not having the best times recently, is Eric Dyer. He was just nominated for Player of the Month when we did our first episode. And Arsenal were in 20th position in the league when we started this. (laughs) Unfortunately, that did not persist. However, we're right back where we started, up there, fighting it out at at the top. So yeah, as I said, we're going to do a few Q&As today. I'm going to start this off with an audio question that comes in from a man who was on that first episode and was a regular for the first season of the Plus Day podcast. Older listeners might remember Joe Brooker. This is Joe's message to us. Hello, Plus Dave podcast. It is Joe Brooker here. And I thought I'd better get a question in for the two year anniversary of the podcast. Absolutely amazing stuff. My question is we famously missed out on watching what was probably the best game of the 2018 World Cup the seven goal thriller between France and Argentina. And of course, this was all Daggers' fault because <laughs> he took us away on a boat trip during Elio stag when uh, I think we would have been rather watching that game. <laughs> Fortunately for us all, four years later, Dagis was unable to make us miss the World Cup final between <laughs> the same two teams. And so my question is, of those 13 goals scored in those two ties, which goal was your favourite? Very interested to find out. Brilliant. Thank you, Joe. I was really worried there was going to be a trivia question in there and we were going to have to actually think, whereas it's just, you know, which was your favorite goal, which still involves some thinking because I don't really remember them all off the top of my head. Guys, 13 goals between Argentina and France, four years apart, two epic games. What do you reckon? Any goals stand out? First up, I didn't go on the boat trip purposefully with Nick and I have a confession to make. Oh, I gave you some escaped, d- didn't you?
3: Well, yeah, I-, I gave a dumb excuse to Elio that I wasn't feeling well and all I wanted to do was just go to the match. So I lied to Elliot and said, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to you go called the, in sick for the I party. called in sick in the middle of a stag do. So I won that one. Disgraceful. Nick and I <laughs> sat in a lovely Russian-owned cafe somewhere in Iron of Cyprus watching it. And I think my favorite, it, I can't remember if it was in this game. I'm pretty sure it was. Do you remember mm. the Benjamin Pavard It was volley? that game. I think it was. Yeah. It was that game. It's the first, I mean, I can't remember every goal, but by virtue of the fact that it was the first one that
0: came to mind across yeah. those two fixtures, I'd probably go for the Pavard one. I think, it, did it win goal at the tournament or something? think it did I think it did, oh, I right I think it did. yeah I, I'm always going to pick an Argentina goal in this fixture because I mean ever since Neil Messi has existed I've always absolutely loved Argentina as we all do so I'm definitely going to pick an Argentina goal I think Di Maria's was it the first or second goal with that team move in the final was lovely second goal yeah that was really good but I reckon to be honest just because of the drama of it I think the one it was the worst goal probably but the one where Messi barely hit it over the line and then it was cleared off on like extra I thought time, so over yeah. the line and then it had to go to whatever it was Hawkeye or whatever um, yeah that that's probably my favorite even though it was was then, you know, ruined by Mbappe trying to make it all about himself. But yeah, that was quite something. I watched that final in an Argentinian bar as well, which was absolutely insane, as you can imagine. So, uh, yeah. Good memories there. Absolutely nothing to do with Spurs, of course, but, you know, we're basically honorary Argentinians of Spurs fans, aren't we? <laughs> so, to reiterate, as I said, we do have quite a few questions. We're not going to be doing trivia questions, though, despite what Socks suspected. We're going to be just having a bit of a general chat and raising some discussion points and talking about a few things that people have suggested to us. Dave, did you have any questions? Did you manage to pull anything together at all?
2: Yeah, so I've got a few questions. So I'll spatter mine through this because I thought it would be an opportunity for me to not only have a little bit of a dig, but also infuse it with some league united knowledge and basically feel involved um because Lovely. if we start talking about spurs too much i'm going to get bored and start you know browsing x for updated manchester united or former manchester united criminals <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway <laughs> um <laughs> alleged, alleged
0: criminals sorry let's see if that makes the cut
2: <laughs> okay so first one i've called lowest ebb aka oh no poor spurs It must be awful to finish mid-table in the Premier League. Um, So obviously Leeds has had a glorious history in the 39 years I've been alive and watched them, which included Mm -hmm. winning the league, which obviously made me support them, but also a couple of relegations and some wilderness years. My personal lowest ebbs are kind of two. One which was losing to Histon in the FA Cup. Which I'm sure mm. you won't remember, but it was particularly miserable. We were in League One at the time as well. Um, but the second one, which was well, worse, oh, of course you do. <laughs> the second one, which was even worse, was losing the League One player final 1 0 to Doncaster Rovers, where there was, I'm not even joking, 80,000 Leeds fans and about 5,000 Doncaster fans and it was very quiet and Wembley is definitely not for losers so that was my lowest ebb making my way back through Wembley way after losing the league one playoff final so my question to you is what is your personal lowest ebb so I've started with a really cheery one uh, what is your personal lowest ebb of your Spurs <laughs> watching careers Jesus how, how long, long you have, have got like, gonna, you got <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you to mull over one or two but you've got to pick one
0: well, this I'm is gonna, exactly I'm the gonna, point of this. I'm
1: going to go last on this one. Okay. Oh, I know Elio's
3: answer already. <laughs> I think I might I do almost it. just
0: want to reel them off rather than just have a thing and come out with one. I mean, I mean, there was losing to a team whose manager was in prison, which is pretty bad. There was there was the Man City. There was the Man City where we lost 4-3 to 10 men after being 3-0 up. That doesn't sound that bad. No, I mean, no, this is not the Man City that we understand today. This was... This was a shocking Man City. Really fancy, this right, was, this yeah. was pre-oil money Man City, yeah. Losing 7-1 to Newcastle a few weeks after losing 6-1 to Bolson, that, that stung a little bit. 98. But yeah. I don't think I was that invested back then. Socks, do you have one that comes to mind? Oddly enough,
3: the most I've ever felt pain, which and it's the first one that comes to mind, is a really random game. It's when we lost 3-2 away at the Etihad in, two thousand. I think it was January, February 2012, and yeah. it was when we had clawed it back to 2-2. Two, two. I remember Gareth Bale hitting a really great shot from outside the area. And we'd gone up one end and Defoe had just missed effectively a tapping in where he was sliding in. But it wasn't a sitter, but he wasn't long enough to kind of reach the ball. Right. And Balotelli goes up the other end. And this was 10 minutes after he had stamped on Scott Parker's face right under the nose of Howard Webb and should have been sent off. He gets fouled by Lindley King and they win a penalty and score the last kick of the game. And I was just in a, a pub at the Student Union or whatever it was, or at the Student Union pub at my university. And for some reason, something about that game, I think because of the nature of it, affected me so deeply that it ruined me for a few days. And I was with just a friend's flatmate <laughs> of mine and who didn't really understand much about football. And I went outside to mope and sock, and I was just mm. sat on the bench for 20 minutes. And she gave me a Kinder Egg. She, got, she bought like a kinder egg from like a machine that was there. She gave it to me. I took one look at her, spat on the ground, t- took the kinder egg and walked off because I was so disgusted that she thought that this children's chocolate with a shitty toy that I could potentially yeah. choke on was going to somehow lift my mood of this last minute loss or last minute defeat that we suffered. So, but for some mm. reason, there was something about the nature, even though it wasn't like Champions League final was by far the lowest, thereby, yeah. so, even though it's a Champions League it final, but, but that was the one that just hit me the most. So when I think of the most pain I've ever felt, like that affected me for two, three, four days and I did really leave my yep. room
0: at uni. So strangely, <laughs> I'd probably pick that, but it wasn't even that bad. Supporting Spurs is a little bit like opening a kinder egg and then there just being nothing inside. I think think that's good though.
2: I think it's good that it's quite a random one because that's kind of the reason I asked it because everybody has different experiences with with a football Mm. club. Everybody has a different relationship. And yeah, losing big finals isn't ideal, but sometimes it is just, you know, like you mentioned, Dag, with the City game, you know, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory or, you know, having your hopes completely dashed. I mean, I could obviously add the Derby playoff from a few years ago where yeah. it, it absolutely looked nailed on that we were going to the playoff final and then whatever happened, happened. But yeah, that's yeah. it's a, it's a good
0: one, Socks. I like that one. And there, are, there are definitely a few of those to pick from. Are you guys familiar with that meme where there's a Chihuahua just looking traumatized up into the sky while helicopters yes. fly over <laughs> it and it's like ptsd like, i feel like that's just been what i'm seeing on elio's screen for the last five minutes ever <laughs> since dave raised this topic and i'm just i'm waiting to see what he comes out with he's just reliving it over and over and again well, in his mind it's like, yeah, like,
1: like brando in apocalypse now <laughs> just <you> know, <laughs>
0: in a dark light come on elio <laughs> let's have it
1: I've been mulling it over and obviously I went to that Champions League final that's been mentioned, so that could be a strong contender. Mm. I remember the City game really, really well and it was such a feeling of injustice. I mean, there's so many... Drogba scoring a penalty to win the Champions League final for Chelsea when they were nowhere near the best team in the Champions League and finished well below us in the league and getting us knocked out of the Champions League for the following season in the process was particularly hard to take. But I think for me, Mm -hmm. it's a tie between two very similar but still very different incidents, which evoke different emotions. One pain through anger, one pain through sadness, and that was the sales of Dava and Sol Campbell in two consecutive summers. Yeah. Well, of yeah. Sol Campbell, it wasn't a sale, of course. With <laughs> Sol Campbell, it was compounded by Ginola's one. The previous season, Ginola's was me losing the player that made me properly fall in love with football because I loved football already. Before that, I'd been going to Spurs for the best part of seven, eight years before that already. But when Dava was sold... I was seeing everything I loved about football taken away mm. from me in that one moment and because we had this horrible team managed by a dinosaur football manager in George Graham who was <laughs> also an Arsenal legend to compound it we had a chairman who was putting their money into the club we were a mid to lower mid table team at best and I was brought joy single-handedly for three years by this guy he'd just had another good season where he managed to make Chris Armstrong and Stephen Everson get 30 goals between the in the league, and then he was ripped away from us because George Graham's ego was too big to countenance a player that didn't suit his vision of playing. Then when Saul Campbell left a year later, having already lost (laughs) the biggest hero to me as a Spurs fan, he was the next biggest hero and our captain and our, well, the Harry Kane of the time. He was the world-class player, best in his position in the league at the very least, if not in Europe. He was at the peak of his career and he had first told us he wouldn't leave us and we'd rejected big bids from Manchester United, Roma, Barcelona as a result. Then when he did announce he was going to leave he very explicitly and this is in print said that he would never go to arsenal because of what it would do with his relationship with the spurs fans and what do you know a few weeks later he's next to arson wenger in that press conference and i just lost my it's the single angriest moment of my childhood i won't say of my life but of my childhood and the single angriest i've ever been about football because that was the moment that football stopped being a romance and it started being this vitriolic tribal beast that it has actually become. You lost (laughs) your innocence. Yeah, I lost my innocence that day. So Saul Campbell going to Arsenal it's the low points.
3: I feel like I'm listening to Bruce Wayne describing his parents' death and that's the <laughs> reading <remake> again. <Catman. laughs> this is Elio's origin story. I just, I haven't decided
0: if this is a superhero or supervillain story. But it's one of the two. Saul <laughs> Campbell was walking in a dark alley one day and Elliot was grab him. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? i <laughs> Just muttering oh. the words pain through anger, pain through sadness. Elio, when you close your eyes at night to try and go to sleep, do you see Venger and Saul Campbell in that? press conference (laughs) Oh God, traumatizing you
1: I think you got it
0: right when you said
1: that that's what made me lose my innocence as a football fan it absolutely is and while obviously no one deserves some of the vile things that have been said about him and said to him over the years he does deserve to always feel like he has done something abhorrent to a group of people who genuinely believed in him because that is what he did and there's no forgiveness ever
0: well, there's nothing like a party, guys. I mean, this is really cheery, isn't it? We came in to celebrate. We're two years into our podcast and we are like, yeah, let's have a big, fun, free-for-all and have a nice chat about Spurs to cheer us all up. And, and yeah, someone had to drag Sol Campbell into it. Thankfully, of course, we no longer have to deal with pragmatic defensive managers or losing our best players. That's all a thing of the past. Uh, right. Let's, let's go to another question, shall we? This is a good question. This one's perhaps a little bit in better spirits. This comes in from Andrew DeLisan and he asks, Who is your Spurs guilty pleasure player? Is there a player that everyone else thinks is rubbish that you guys secretly love and why? Oh, that's a good question. Elio, I feel like we have a mutual one to a degree on this. (gasps) perennially underrated, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely Benoit Asiwakoto. There's just no other answer for me. I mean, but I don't even know if it's a guilty pleasure because I'm just not embarrassed to say it in the slightest. And usually with guilty pleasure, it's (laughs) something that it's like admitting you like a Britney Spears song. That's a guilty pleasure.
0: You need shame in the first place to have guilty pleasures, Elio. You're devoid (laughs) of shame. That's
1: true. I think think if
0: we're going to go for pure guilty pleasure player,
1: because I think my opinions and value of Benoit Asu is entirely justified to the truth. If we're going to talk about a guilty <laughs> player, pleasure, a player that I know I shouldn't really like as much as
0: I do, but screw it, I still do oh god it is a really good question you can have a think about it i mean i'm trying to say someone like eric lamella but he's such a notorious cult hero that i feel like everyone loves him for him being a bit rubbish and a bit nuts and that one doesn't really count it has to be someone that is really left field socks do you have a guilty pleasure spurs player someone that you've always had a soft spot for that is kind of a bit rubbish but you like for some reason either a current player or, or a past player
3: the first one that came to mind in terms of soft spot was someone like Nico Cranshaw, but he wasn't rubbish. I think he was probably a little bit underrated, yeah. but he definitely wasn't rubbish. I feel a bit harsh saying it because I don't no, know. Just overweight. I I don't know if he's rubbish as well, but I would say maybe Timu Who Good answer. Like I think rubbish is a okay. bit harsh, but he wasn't particularly great. But if you just read interviews with him since he left Spurs. Actually, no, I do have one. I think that's probably yeah. a bit better. Mido. Mido. Oh, so uh, I Mido think it
1: crossed my mind to tell to say why. Me?
3: Okay. Well uh, because every time I've heard Mido speak after he's retired, every single time he talks about Tottenham, he talks about it being one of the greatest honors of his entire career and how much he loved being at such a big club and all this kind of stuff. And you have these sorts of play like he has shown more love for us just in random interviews since he's left than Harry Kane ever did through his words anyway, just to bring up a comparison. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I really like players who really appreciated being there. I think Heredia Gomez is another one. And again, I think rubbish is probably slightly harsh, but there are players that you look at and it's like, these lot get what it means to be at this kind of a football club and they just understand the fans and it clicks with them in the way that... Not rubbish, but to give an example, like van der Vaart absolutely got it and nobody mm-hmm. had to tell him, he just got it. And again, he's one of those where you read interviews with him after he's retired and he says things like the biggest regret of my entire career was leaving Tottenham and he preferred yeah. being at Tottenham compared to Real Madrid. Those players get it. They know we're not the biggest club in the world relative to a Madrid, but they understand it. And I think Mido and to a lesser extent Taino are definitely those two. So. Yeah, I'd make it for though, actually.
2: Every Spurs player I like is a guilty pleasure. I'm not a Spurs fan, so my answer is Moussa Dembele. <laughs>
0: okay. and, and Dave, I'm glad you bring up Moussa Dembele, because that's a perfect segue for me to plug my latest video. I don't know if anyone saw it on Twitter, but I tried my hand at YouTubing, and it may well be the last time I do it for a while, because it took fucking ages to finish it. Uh, I put up a video about Moussa Dembele, basically just talking about how he's bloody brilliant, and why everyone should give him more credit read it but please go and check it out it's posted on our twitter it's entitled mr dembele your favorite player's favorite player so yeah go and check that out anyway <laughs> moving on that's enough about me no no one cares let's, let's move back to the question shall we
1: am i saying my guilty pleasure player oh, yeah, okay? going, yeah sorry yeah, yeah. go back to yours who've you got Nicky barmbi nikki barmbi was and uh, he was a good player he was a good player but he's also a player that screwed spurs and left us because he wanted to go back up north with his wife so it was a very bitter departure Did we get him from you no you got him later down the line j- he was already broken he went to to Middlesbrough Everton Liverpool and then you so Nicky Barnby is generally not liked by Spurs fans so that's why he's a guilty pleasure for me because most Spurs fans dislike him for the way he left us But I think he was my first hero as a Spurs fan when I was seven years old. I got Nicky Barney number seven on my first ever Spurs shirt. And I I don't care that he maybe behaved a bit rubbish. You never sort of fall out of love with your first footballing hero unless they sign for Arsenal. If you're not going to (laughs) accept that answer, then despite how much I put him down last week, Ian Walker, because I used to love <laughs> Ian Walker when he actually played for us. Stop smiling, <laughs> you smiling cunt.
0: <laughs> Ian Walker was a bit rubbish. Okay, I had another one. This one comes from Adam Lewis, and this is one that I think could have some very interesting answers. What's the funniest thing you've ever heard shouted at Spurs, or at football in general?
1: I heard someone once shout, Control the ball, you fucking lanky streak of piss, at
0: Peter Crouch. <laughs> you didn't have to finish that sentence. I knew exactly who that was aimed at. Oh, <laughs> uh, Sos, so does anything come to mind for you? No, I, I've, I mentioned it on the podcast
3: before. It was when I was at a game with Elio as a kid sat in the West End. Oh, and yeah. and uh, I can't remember who the players are. I'll repeat the story for anybody new, but uh, someone got substituted on for somebody else and there were two mediocre players and Elio just screams at the top of his lungs. He must have been in his mid-teens by this point. We've taken off Samantha Mumba and we're bringing on the Queen <laughs> as a replacement <laughs> or whatever. And I as like an eight or nine-year-old. <laughs> just love that absolute comparison. I don't think Elio has any recollection of it. But I have clearly no recollection and
1: I can't imagine what I could have meant either.
3: I guess just we had two players of the quality of an old lady <laughs> and a random pop star who presumably was in the charts at the time. You, you, don't know, yeah.
0: you don't know how good Samantha Mumba might be at football if they do another soccer raid <laughs> she's available. You, you, might, you might be silenced, okay? She might be brilliant. Um, yeah, to be fair, if you're trying to pinpoint ridiculous things that Elio has said from the crowd then I think uh, there's probably quite a few to pick from not many can be aired yeah but this is a family show <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly it is at least we try and make it another one that I've said before and I'll, I'll repeat it quickly that, that was um, technically at a game even though it was outside the game which made me smile was when Elio you me and your dad went to the semi-final against Arsenal at Old Trafford that
1: was 2001
0: because that was Saul Campbell's last game for us of course it was that's right yeah it was and it was against Arsenal and it was outside the ground and there were police everywhere just trying to control the crowds and police horses and just chaos and people chanting and everyone all pissed up before the game and you know how it is and obviously 10 times worse because it spurs Arsenal in the cup and the police were just having an absolutely horrible time trying to control anybody and getting anyone to step back and move away and make space and they were like get back please get back you move back you move back move back please and everyone was just roundly ignoring them until one fat bloke just stood up and just goes get back if you hate Arsenal get back <laughs> if you hate Arsenal and it was perfect I was like the policemen were just looking at each other like why didn't we think of that that would have worked so, yeah, yeah that one that the only one other one that's come
3: to mind actually it was when we played Played, it was a bit of an obvious one, but it's when we played Barcelona at Wembley. And I think mm. Messi did something ridiculous where he dribbled past two or three players as he typically did. And he took a shot from a ridiculous range. And I think it only just trickled past the post. And half of the stand that I was sat in just started singing, Sh, Aaron Lennon. <laughs> You're just a Sh, Aaron Lennon. After he'd weaved his magic and nearly destroyed us and sliced us apart. <laughs> so it was simple but effective at the time. Yeah. Well,
0: I always used to find it a little bit strange when people tried to diss Messi by calling him a Sh, Maradona. Like, if someone called me a <laughs> Maradona, I'd be like, I'll take it. Like even a. Paradonna is pretty good. Uh, Dave, do you have any standout things that you've heard of football? I I bet you've heard of quite a Um, few.
2: Yeah, I think the most ridiculous thing that I ever heard at a Leeds United game was it was during the trial of Lee Boyer and Jonathan Woodgate. And Lee Boyer had been on the stand uh, that that week. And there was something about, oh, is it true that you left your underwear and there's DNA connecting you with it? And he said, (laughs) well, no, that can't be true. And he said, why not? I said, because I don't wear underwear. And therefore, obviously, <laughs> okay. the first chant that we sang in the next game was, "He's here, he's there, he doesn't wear underwear, Lee." <laughs> <laughs> Which was a bit ridiculous, um, uh, but yes. Uh, other than that, most things that aren't repeatable on here.
0: Yeah. So uh, instantly, Adam who sent in the question. He gave his own answer, and the funniest thing he heard at Spurs was, "Sherwood, you PE teacher, fuck off home. You've got marking to do." <laughs> <laughs> Which is lovely. So yeah, that's very, very funny. Here's an interesting one. And so you you mentioned the messy performance against Spurs, which was at Wembley, if I'm not mistaken. So this is excluded from that. This question comes from Dan Lacey, who asks, what is the best performance from an opposition player that you have witnessed with your own eyes at White Hart Lane?
3: I have three for this because <laughs> sometimes I. <have> well,
0: <laughs> that's worrying, that, isn't it? That immediately you just think of three times we've been dominated at home. Yeah. <laughs> no, not even.
3: Messi's too obvious. So if I'm excluding that and I go just White Hart Lane, the third I remember we drew nil-nil at home to Man United, maybe 2009, 10, circa that. And mm-hmm. it was Nemanja Vidic. And I just remember walking away from that game and thinking we could have crossed in like a semi-truck into the box and he would have found a way to, to head it like he was absolutely unbelievable yeah. and I obviously knew he was a really good player so I wasn't shocked but sometimes when you see it kind of close up it really really stands out so that was one another was in a game that we won and it was when we beat Chelsea 5-3 it was one of the first great performances under Pochettino and I just mm. remember Eden Hazard I'll get that game absolutely terrorised us and every time yeah. he had the ball I was shocked myself that was the season Chelsea won the league when Jose came back and I think he won PFA player of the year that year if I'm not mistaken and he was absolutely incredible but the one that stands out again Messi aside is AC Milan at home and White Hart in Lane, 2010-11 and we'd already won the away leg mm. it was the Pierre Crouch goal away at the San Siro so he came in with the 1-0 away goal aggregate lead and it was Clarence Seydorf who must have been... Oh. Yeah. maybe 33 at the time, give or take, but definitely not Clarence Adolf at the peak of his powers. And it was the yeah. first time that I'd ever seen him just because of my age, I suppose. I'd never really seen him at Madrid or, or wherever. And it was the first time I'd seen him, I guess, in the flesh as well. And I just remember walking away from that and thinking to myself, I wish I was a bit older to have seen you when you were 19, 20, 21, yeah. 25, or just properly paid attention to you. Like I was so impressed at the way he was able to run the game. And it's a really the game finished nil-nil. So there isn't like, oh, he played this incredible pass or he did this incredible goal or whatever. Mm. I just remember someone who was the oldest player on the pitch absolutely running the show and just thinking to myself like what an absolutely unbelievable player you are now, let alone must have been. So yeah, I'm yet to see, Messi aside, anybody come close to that. I wish I was able to just find these sort of full highlights because I gladly watch it back just to see him. (laughs) I think, coincidentally Sandro just to shout out to him because he retired the other day he had an, an absolutely brilliant performance that game as well across both legs he was a really really good player before his
0: uh, knees exploded yeah it feels controversial to say it but I feel like Clarence Adolf is maybe an underrated player you don't he hear his name he's definitely an
1: underrated player he was a genius he doesn't come up in conversations does he yeah.
0: unbelievable I think people have this idea that he's some kind of you know just water carrying tough tackling type rather than actually an incredibly skillful technician but you know just like Mr. Dembele basically Elio mm-hmm. anyway, you must have a couple of traumatic memories of Spurs being torn apart
1: I do. I remember Veron having his one good game for Manchester United. <laughs> I knew you going to say that. Five, uh, but, that that's, but that's not the one yeah. I'm thinking of. I remember Thierry Henry on more than one occasion, yeah. Patrick Vieira on more than one occasion. Much as it pains to say, obviously. But the one that really, really stands out for me, and this isn't as glamorous as Clarence Sader for AC Milan, I think this was either towards the end of the AVB era or right at the beginning of the Sherwood era. I can't quite remember which way ran but we lost 2-0 at home to Newcastle and a different dutchman in a different position had the best game i have tim ever Krull. seen against us it tim was Krull. tim crow oh my god he made something yeah. like 13 14 15 saves that day and it was disgusting we lost 2-0 but we absolutely bossed that match we were by far the better team one of his saves i think i can't remember who but we had a free kick he was diving one way it deflected off the wall and he still managed to save it and then get back and save the rebounded shots that came in from someone else. It was just incredible and that was enough to make me wonder why Tim Crawl hasn't ended up one of the great Premier League goalkeepers because yeah. <laughs> this was early in his career as well and he was by far the man of the match despite the fact that they won 2-0. It was incredible and I'll never forget it.
3: That's a good answer until you realise every goalkeeper that ever came to White Hart Lane, whether it was Tim Krul, Thomas Kushak, Ben Foster <laughs> yeah, or had of the greatest game of their entire career. It was something about the yeah. goal at White Hart Lane. I'll tell you something,
0: Howard Webb had some absolute crackers against us as well, let's not forget him. Let's give him the credit he deserves. Um, that Newcastle one stung extra hard for me because my boss at the time was a Newcastle fan and we always had like a running bet. That whoever lost the game had to buy the other one a burger from Five Guys at Lunch. And Newcastle were rubbish back then. So I was like, I've ah, got this in the bag. And then just the next day, he just spent the whole day taunting me about Tim Krul, the octopus with his eight arms saving everything. Dave, are you with us? Just about, yep. Just about, good. Do you have any traumatic memories of particularly impressive performances? Maybe some from the Champions League? Yeah, I've got three.
2: One from the Champions mm. League. So the first one from the Champions League is Rivalda. Leads were against Barcelona. We only drew the game one all, but he scored in the 90th minute and he was a thorn. He, he was brilliant the whole game.
0: You just wanted to remind us that you played Barcelona too, <laughs> yeah, didn't yeah. you? Yeah,
2: we played in that tournament too once, that one time. Yeah. Um, the other one is not a specific game, but every game he ever played against us. Alan Shearer, Shearer's yeah. record of the most goals against the one club is us. He loved playing against Leeds and he always scored. Yeah. Um, but the best performance I've ever seen by a single player at Ellen Road for their opposition was Darren Ockabee. Oh wow. I can't remember specifically what year it was, but he scored a hat trick and they won. It was either three one or three two. And it was just like he had a cheat code to be twice as fast as anybody else. I mean, we had Gary Kelly at right back and he was playing on the left side of the front four. And Derek Hill is not slow, but at this point he was decent. And Huckabee was three times faster than him. And so I, I always remember that game as being, yeah. as being like, well, what is this? Is cheating. He can't run that fast. That's not fair. He's just making it too easy for himself and difficult us. <laughs> but yeah, he was unplayable. I've never really watched a game and thought, well, that's not fair. He's unplayable
0: and I know it's mm-hmm. weird because it's Darren Huckabee that I'm talking about but yeah I love this reeling off the names Clarence Sadoff Lionel Messi Alan Shearer <laughs> Rivaldo Darren Huckabee yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay yeah good company good company alright let's move on to another question then so uh, oh, this is like a question for the ages this is from Ed Vickers and he says would you rather play the best football in the league but win nothing or play boring defensive softball all season and win a trophy now he hasn't specified what trophy but I mean you mm-hmm. can with whatever you want that is the ultimate question isn't it really what do you think guys
1: best football in the league win nothing I know that's and that's not, the right answer I, I just I just one thing I've learned and I know we didn't win anything with these managers so maybe it nullifies my point but one thing I've learned in the last few years is that I really can't watch football it really upsets <laughs> me it really depresses me yeah. and
0: even when you win it's like a release exactly and you're just
1: like oh thank god that's so, over and we won and you know what if we won a trophy playing sh- I've already seen us win a trophy playing. The 1999 League Cup final, it was our first one in front of me because I was too young for the FA Cup, so it meant a lot. Mm. But I don't want to play bad football. I want to enjoy match. I spend a lot of money supporting my team. I spend a lot of time traveling supporting my team, and I put a lot of emotion into it. And so I'd rather consistently enjoy myself without the hubris boost of a trophy at the end of it than... Mm not enjoy it in the slightest and then get something shiny to cry about like trophies are wonderful yeah. but I hear trophies are bragging rights <laughs> good football is actually why I want to watch it otherwise otherwise I might as well just look up the results <laughs> on teletext afterwards
0: exactly yeah that's that's exactly yeah. no, it and I agree with you Bill Nicholson and Danny Blanchard will be proud of you for the answer, radio really, I imagine uh, what's that Cruyff quote it's results without quality is boring quality without results is pointless I think or something like that which doesn't really answer the question, but it's a nice quote anyway. And I thought <laughs> I'd sound like an academic and quote your own quote. Um So, do you agree? Not with Cruyff uh, necessarily, with tra- Elliot. <laughs> if you're talking the about... The other great footballing mind of our generation. <laughs> I would... <laughs>
3: I, w- I, I would take the sh- football away if it meant it was a league or a Champions League. However, mm. I don't think I would do it. I wouldn't do it more than once. Just one time. Like, I don't know if I can do it season after season. Yeah. Mm. If it was for a Carabao Cup similar to Elio, like the one-day Ramos season where we ended up finishing 7th or 8th to won the Carlin Cup was infinitely worse than... The two or three really good years under Pochettino where we won nothing. Like, there's a reason that this summer a lot of people were calling for Pochettino back as opposed to one day Ramos for the sake of argument anyway. If Ramos was available, <laughs> he wouldn't be the one that everyone's like, All right, Ramos first, and then we need George Graham back, and then it could be Pochettino. Yeah. So, I think well, if it's for a domestic cup, like, I don't know if I would play crap football or like if we'd kept Jose as opposed to sacked him before that Carabao Cup final and we'd won it. Yeah. I don't know if we'd be looking at that season
0: any differently. It would have been a lovely moment that punctuated what was a shite season. If we play beautiful football all year and then end up winning nothing and the wheels start to come off the Ange hype train and then we look for a new manager, should we start a movement to try and bring back Juan de or Should we just like just like put out <laughs> some hashtags, start some chants in the crowd, see if that carries any weight? In a similar vein, this question comes in from Nico Stanford and this does feel like a pretty easy answer but I might tweak it a little bit. But he asks would you rather Spurs never win a Trophy again, but beat Arsenal every time we play them, or Spurs <laughs> win the Premier League this season, but never beat Arsenal again. Oh, the first one, yeah. Okay, I think the way to reword that is how many successive years of not beating Arsenal, not beating losing Arsenal. to Arsenal home and away in every competition, would you trade for winning the league this year? Nah, f- that. None. So even if, no, we, if, you, if we just said to you, next year, every time we play Arsenal, we'll lose to them, but we're going to win the league this year, you wouldn't take that. Well, yeah, but that's that's silly because that happened
3: last year and we finished yeah, eighth. that's my point. So how, many many years, years, could, how many years uh, would you draw the uh, line? Five years? Five years of not beating Arsenal or losing to them? Maybe maybe three. I don't know if I could do... No, nah, it's too much to lose. Could you imagine... Forget the away things because we lose <laughs> at the Emirates and Highbury every single season anyway, but you're telling me you want them to be at Sir White Hart Lane five years in a row. There's no <laughs> yeah. way f- that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and we'll have well, one league, league to show for it. I think I'd take it. I tell you, I,
1: think I tell it. you what, we—I've already had to live through. Let's see, what were from nineteen
0: ninety <laughs> twenty straight years of not beating them? Was it nineteen
1: ninety-eight <laughs> yeah. until two thousand? And what year did we do it under Red? Red any, oh, the five year, one. No, yeah. no, forget the five one. I'm just talking about league here, but. 1998 until
3: 2010
1: that was 2010 2010. so i've already done 12 years of seeing us not beat arsenal at all anyway so i'm gonna say if it guaranteed the league title i could do that stretch of time again because i already know i can handle
0: it I guess if you subbed in Chelsea for that, then you'd just kind of be thinking, what's the difference? Like <laughs> we lose them every game anyway. Speaking of Chelsea, Hotspur Sam sends in the following question. When Bowley sacks Potch, is he likely to come gunning for Ange? Must be glancing with envious eyes in our direction. Disgust. <laughs> that, that is uh, throwing a cat among the pigeons. What do you reckon? Is there any world where we lose Ange Postacoglu? Would it be to Chelsea or could it be to uh, anyone else? Spoiler With alert. that
1: length of contract, unless they want to make Posta the first £100 million transfer for a manager, it's not <laughs> happening.
3: <laughs> well, they might. <laughs> yeah.
0: That is not it a ridiculous is, thing to say. This isn't a prediction, it's a spoiler. What no. if, as as rumour has it, Gareth Southgate gets replaced by Pep Guardiola and then the City Group are looking for a new manager for Man City, someone who plays in a similar kind of style?
1: Not, if, not <laughs> enough of a name. What do you of think of that? Not enough no. of a name. Hmm. Okay.
0: He will be
3: by then, though. He'll have won the treble by then. I can tell you where he'll be. It will be 2026 when Jurgen Klopp's contract expires at Liverpool. He is a Liverpool Uh fan. They're a bigger club than us. Three years is a very good innings by modern standards, Uh and it's enough of a time for him to have proven himself in the Premier League to show he can make that step up, even if he doesn't win anything with us. So if I had to make a prediction of Ange leaving, place the bets summer of 2026 to replace Klopp at Liverpool, but there's no way in hell it'll be Chelsea. He's too smart to go there.
1: Yeah, I pray for the day that we... Lose a manager because they've done so well that another club nabs exactly. them off us instead of exactly. they're on the downturn. For, yeah. for, for us to do That's so well with a manager, as bad that as it a bigger stands. club takes them. Exactly. Yeah. That's
3: why it's no. It sounds it sounds awful, but you think it's like, what the hell has he had to do for Liverpool to go? This is the guy that
0: we want. Has that ever happened? Not to no. us.
1: We've sacked every single manager in our lifetimes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Well, there's your answer then. That's
2: that. I was just going to say, my suggestion would be it's more likely or equally likely that he gets sacked this season and ends up back at Celtic next season.
0: <laughs> Dave's not dragging us down. Come on, this Happy is supposed to be a birthday, celebration, everyone. right? Happy birthday, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh Billy Smith asks, why did we not sign Evan Ferguson? Wow. I mean, uh, why did everyone not sign Evan Ferguson? I feel like it's too late for that now. How much is he going to cost?
3: Because by the time he broke through, he was already out of everybody's... He's only really just broken through kind of 12 months ago and before anybody had a chance to kind of sniff around. He signed, what, a new four or five-year deal in the summer? There wasn't really... he, He was one of those players where his jump from obscurity to everybody looking at him as almost like a Harry Kane replacement was so quick that... He was, uh, again, mm. I've said it so many times at this point, I've got no love loss for Levy whatsoever, but it's like someone like Jude Bellingham or something. The second he started doing what he was doing at Dortmund, we yeah. would have had to assign him as a 16-year-old from League One Championship Birmingham, whatever it was. And yeah. yeah, yeah. That's not, sure. of all the ones that have got away, I don't think Evan Ferguson belongs in that pile.
0: No, no, I feel like that was slightly tongue-in-cheek an answer. It was probably right after he'd scored that hat-trick. It made me laugh earlier seeing Alan Shearer write about him, and he just goes, I'm not quite sure how to phrase this without sounding like a wanker, but he reminds me of me. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> incidentally, good. what... Um-
2: what are the ones that got away from your academy? Who are the biggest stars that never mm. made it through to the
0: Spurs team, but actually were academy Dave, players? Dave, to to interject there, to interject there, I believe one of the questions. Oh there you go. <laughs> I came up with a load of questions from Chat GPT in case we ran out, and I'm going to run some of those through. And one of them was, "What is the biggest what if moment that could have changed Spurs Sliding history?" Door. So that kind of ties in here. Yeah, exactly. That that could that could come in. We mentioned Rivaldo already. Rivaldo apparently nearly. I mean, exposed. that would have changed our history. Um, no, 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 if- no,
2: no, no. My question, my no, question is no. much
0: more homegrown.
2: Okay. You know, yours Maradona different had a trial do, okay. with Leeds.
1: Okay. Yeah, good one. Play for us. Well,
2: yeah, indeed. But he had to try with Leeds before he even uh, did what he did in '86. <laughs>
1: I think the only one I can think of is David Beckham. I was David Beckham was with us for mm. a couple of years. Um, his granddad was a huge Spurs fan. He was an Essex boy in a very Spurs supporting area as well. And he was on Schoolboys with us before he ended up going. It wasn't just a trial. He was actually in our whatever, under yeah. 13s or whatever you want. And then Man United went and got him. So it has to be that one.
0: The thing with Beckham though is that as good as he was, and as much as he would have been a huge name for us back then, he would have gone, surely. We weren't a big club back then that we would have held on to someone like Beckham, would oh. we? He would have just had a couple of good years, everyone would have started talking about him and then Man United would have just signed him anyway, right? That's the problem with these what-ifs.
1: Imagine if we had David
0: Beckham, Anderson, Sheringham, Klinsman in the same side. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I'm, I'm liking the sound of that. But on that point though, just in terms, in general terms, you know, it doesn't have to be a signing. It could be a result. It could be what if we, you know, started Lucas Mora in the final of the Champions League or what if we had signed Matt Letizia? <laughs> the big what if one for us
1: is probably when uh, there's two that come to my mind, and neither of us are really in our footballing lifetimes. But one mm. of them is in the mid 80s when we very, very nearly had Alex Ferguson as our manager. And I did he, not know this. Yeah, yeah. Alex Ferguson very nearly became Spurs manager. He's spoken about this a few times. Mm. And out of, I think, out of loyalty to Aberdeen, he decided not to, and then a couple of years later, ends up Manchester United manager. So that's one of them. The other huge, huge... That's a real one. That is a real one. And the other huge, huge what-if moment is Gaza getting sold. I don't know if it was the same summer or a couple of years later, but we almost signed Matthew Lattisti. He'd actually signed a contract with us, so he was Mm. ours. And his wife did not want to move to London. And Mm. our chairman at the time, Irving Scholar, decided to have a change of heart and been a nice guy and tore up the contract. Mm. So, I'll tell you a
0: huge one. I'll tell you a huge one if rumor is to be believed. And I'm always skeptical about this. And this is one that absolutely would have changed our fortunes, but I don't necessarily know if I would have wanted it. In fact, I almost definitely wouldn't have apparently the story that Roman Abramovich was flying his helicopter around London and went past White Hart Lane and almost bought us and decided to buy Chelsea and said I mean who knows how much of that is true but that's one that's a big one I
1: mean I think that is a true one but maybe not quite that yeah, that yeah much, not but- literally
0: he's just like going over London saying hmm, which of these football clubs shall I buy looking out <laughs> the window of his helicopter I don't think it was quite like that
1: basically I think Daniel Levy gave him a price he wasn't willing to pay so he went to yeah. the next biggest club in London
2: because <laughs> Ken because Ken Birch is a, exactly he's a joy to deal with.
0: <laughs> Dave, do you have any big what if moments?
2: Um, I, I, I guess what if what if, we have, what if we hadn't have decided that we really need that seventh striker and spent <laughs> right. an unnecessary amount of money on 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 Hookerby. <laughs> Uh, a second time for the pod uh, and, uh, and Robbie Fowler we just didn't need them we had five perfectly good strikers we didn't need five probably but yeah that was a it was a pile up and a car crash of what if but I think it probably yeah. it was probably along the lines of, what if we didn't
0: try to live the dream? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to try and get through a few more of these. And I'm going to try and leave some space for some of the chat GPT ones because they are spectacular. Um, next up, <laughs> Simon Milson asks, when has your mind been most successfully changed regarding a long-standing view about Spurs? God, this is a difficult Ooh. one. Have you ever had like a long-standing opinion about Spurs or football that you've clung onto for way too long and then just decided, actually, no, I was wrong, begrudgingly? It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one, particularly because I feel like as football fans, we we dig our heels in. It's quite difficult to admit that you've been wrong.
3: I can think of plenty of players that had massive turnarounds. Yeah. Like I, I think yeah. I can think of like Danny Rose, for example. Thinking he was yeah. he was so bad at one point, I wanted to stab him. Like I absolutely <laughs> hated him. Like he <laughs> like he was rubbish, yeah. and then he ended up becoming the best left back in the league. And I was like, there are players that you see that have got potential. And they never fulfil it for one reason or other. And there's others that you just look at, and there's like, there's no way Bruce Circle will ever be a good footballer. And then he ended up being our best player in the 2018-19 season. But in terms of long-standing views about the club, no, because my thoughts on Tottenham haven't changed. We're a bunch of hopeless hmm. romantics. We're deluded because we need to use it as a defence mechanism because we don't actually believe we'll ever be successful. We like to play good football and we value that above all else. We always ourselves when it gets to the biggest moments because in reality, we're just scared of succeeding. We like the idea of succeeding more so than the success itself because once we get close to start touching it, we all collectively ourselves. That's been the club my entire lifetime, yeah. even though we've kind of propelled up the league. It, that that mm. somehow manages to sort of maintain itself. Whether we're finishing 14th or 4th, we don't really... Everything changes and yet everything stays the same. Do you reckon we could put a petition together to
2: change the club motto? From today is to do to everything you've just said, because
1: that's brilliant. <laughs> imagine imagine they're imagine the on the stand when they're they what? the car. Daddy Rose, is that the... From Daddy- <laughs> What's that in Latin? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the stand isn't big enough. I think but- what Sox just said is probably quite accurate. There isn't really a long-standing view as such that I could think has I mean, You've never been wrong, have you? Well, I was wrong about Jack Clark, but he's tearing it mm. up these days.
0: There's still plenty of time. He might. He's, he's actually only. He's only he ninety. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? we're talking about like his his career is a failure and writing him off. I think long
1: standing view for me would just be that players, especially homegrown players, genuinely care about the club and don't just see it as a job. I think they care to an extent while they're there to they develop relationships they'll develop an affinity with the crowds but when Harry Kane tries to leave us two or three times despite all the adoration all the love that's come his way when, when Saul Campbell does what he did when people like Johnny Jackson came through our academy and then many many years later admits that they felt sick every time they pulled our shirt on because they're a huge Arsenal fan and he was a rubbish footballer as well what, yeah. what right does he have to say that I mean he wasn't even good enough for chance <laughs> to never mind us. It, it just makes you realise that as romantic as it is for us, it isn't for them. And don't get me wrong, there are exceptions to that. I do believe Jack Grealish is someone who just loves football. I do, I do believe people like Paul Gascoigne, where I when I hear people mm. like Klinsman and Van Vaart and Light Sox Edmido speak about us, there's still a semblance yeah. of romance in footballers, but I think the moment they make it at least at the top level. I think it becomes a job at which they want to do the best they very can. And a lot of the romantic stuff they come out with is just pantomime to please the crowd that they're currently entertaining. And that's a sad thing to say, but yeah, I think that's where my views have changed. That question dragged us down a dark road, didn't oh, it? Uh,
2: let me bring it back then. Not to um, <laughs> not to completely reverse that because I think it's a really good point, but I, I do think that the fact you mentioned Van Der Vaart there, the fact you mentioned Mida, I think it's really fascinating that, you know, being from that area although that means a lot to people and fans that are from that area that isn't probably the key thing that gets a player or uh, you know someone to associate themselves with the club i i, th- I think that's really interesting <clears throat> the way that certain players just get it and a lot of players don't get it and i think we've Leeds have always had that chip on our shoulders that you know people don't understand what it's like playing for leads and you know you have you have to do it and you have to be a certain type of individual with a certain mental strength to be able to handle playing for leads because basically we're all a bunch of horrible people and we want to we want to shout at everyone <laughs> um but we'll also we'll also Don't you know leads. you score a hat-trick and we'll clap you sprint back 80 yards and do a scissor kick to annihilate their best player will sing you a hero um and i think that's that's a really interesting point. And I And I do think it's great that you can have players that aren't necessarily born in North London that can turn into people that really love your football club. And I think that's
0: that's a really cool thing. And it also yeah. kind of validates what we think yeah. as fans. your Adelis absolutely loves Spurs and he's from Argentina.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I I think there's a point there in that, especially with a crowd like Spurs, which let's face it, we're a needy bunch. So when (laughs) we get something that we love, we show sort of unhealthy intense (laughs) levels of love to it. But I think there probably is something in footballers being maybe taken aback by quite how much adoration they get from us when they've been used to being good players amongst loads of other good players, wherever they're from Van der Vaart was at Real Madrid, Klinsmann was at Inter and Monaco when Monaco were good and Mida was at Roma and this was Spurs. So I think they've come to a place where they're appreciated more than they've been appreciated anywhere else and it's probably something that really sticks with them so so i do think there is something
0: in there yeah yeah Our next question nick Dunlevy asks would you swap james madison and the rest of his potential spurs career for a 36 year old current leonor messi <laughs> oh wow what a
3: question oh my
0: god <laughs> Bearing in mind, he might have a couple of years left before he decides enough's enough.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah,
0: just, to, just, yeah.
1: You, how can you not say yes to that? I mean, just yeah, to say yeah. you've had the best player of all time at your yeah. club, and he's still probably dick this and it's league. It's not like well. he's
0: rubbish. It's not like he's way over his peak. I mean, he's not. He's not at his peak, but he's still one of the best players in the world, and does things that no other players do. He's about to win the yeah. Ballon yeah. d'Or, and yeah, he should do. Well, also the fact is that, that, we, is that a you, resounding yes. The
3: fact that we've also have a picture out there of Diego Maradona in a Spurs shirt because of think uh, <laughs> as a testimonial. The fact that we can have both of them in there. All right, we're missing Pele, of course, <laughs> but the fact
0: that we can have the two Argies. I mean, that would be just for that photo Photoshop alone. That would be awesome. I mean, it would be terrible business, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. I true. mean, not to mention, God knows what his wages would be. I, I don't know. I don't know what the actual uh, the fine print in this would be, but no, it'd be very, very hard to resist, wouldn't it? Yeah. Got a few questions here, a bit, a bit of a sort of compound question in the theme of the two year thing from Spencer Kristoff, who says When you started the Plus Dave podcast, where did you think Tottenham would be in two years? <laughs> That's a tricky one. <laughs> so bear in mind, we had Nuno Espirito Santo as our manager. We were top of the league. Dave's gone, but we can. Uh, we don't need him for this bit. We were top of the league. Where did we think we were going to be in two years' time? I.e., now when we started this podcast. If you're being honest with yourself, did you have high hopes for Spurs, Elio? Um, you always look on the brighter side of life.
1: God, you can't really predict the next two months as Spurs fans. Never mind the next <laughs> two years. Yeah. I thought we'd be dependable to be in the Champions League team because I was optimistic. We would got rid of Mourinho. I was suckered into thinking that AVB might actually be able to do something. <laughs> I, I thought Deli alley was going to be reborn as this weird kind of left-sided central midfielder slash wingback. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, th- I thought things would be good. We'd be sort of solidly in the Champions League places again. It very nearly did became the case via... Conte before the wheels came off there and fell woefully short of that I like the Freudian
3: slip that you said AVB in there I don't even know if you noticed but it it pretty much spells volumes (laughs) where all of our managers (laughs) in the past 10 years did did you mean any NES
0: (laughs) have been some variation of (laughs) AVB basically Oh, my God. I must admit, I was a lot more ambitious than I should have been, but I think we all saw the cracks beneath the surface. I think we were top of the league, but we were like, yeah, but we're really, really lucky. It's not like now where we're actually winning games and we're playing well and we probably deserve... Yeah, even now, some of the games we've we've got a bit lucky, but no. I I wouldn't go as far as to say I was expecting us to be winning trophies, but I probably thought it was going to be a smoother ride than it has been. Uh, Where will Tottenham be in two years following on from that? Also from Spencer. (laughs) We will
3: amass a very good side that is good enough to challenge for a title in theory, <laughs> we will start off a window strongly where we're all saying this after a couple of successive Champions League finishes and maybe no trophies. We will start off the summer window strongly when we're all saying this is the window we need to learn from the mistakes of the Maurizio Pochettino one. We will end it with the same feeling mm-hmm. of it was okay, but it could have been better. We will not win the title. We'll finish in the top four. We'll probably end up trophyless. And this era of Postacoglu will end in crushing disappointment, as they all do before his (laughs) move
0: to Liverpool. And that's exactly that. I expect nothing less from you. I expect nothing less from you. That's exactly the answer I wanted and expected. Come come back to me in two years. I speak the truth. Yep. Yeah, well, this is being recorded. So so there you go. Uh, his next question is, where will the podcast be in two years? I'll answer that one. We will be the number one sports podcast in all of Cyprus in two years' time. Um, and uh, and who knows what else? From The sky's the limit from there. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll be doing live. We'll be filling stadiums. We'll be filling Wembley Stadium. And we'll be doing Dave Fest, just like, you know, Crouch Fest from the Peter Crouch podcast. That, that That's one to aim for, isn't it? So watch this space. And finally, from Spencer, he took liberties with his questions. Uh, this is for you, Dave. Uh, when did you... Really- Realised that you were a Spurs fan. <laughs> 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 who asked this? Because Spencer Spencer Christoph asked, "When did you realise that you were a Spurs fan?" Because it has a sympathiser all the way. Okay, we'll go with that, shall we? We know what you really mean, Dave. Okay, let's see. I've got a few more questions. I'm verging into ChatGPT here, but some of these are quite funny, so I'm just going to throw a few of them out there. They might be quick fire. They might. They might be not. Um, which Tottenham player would you trust to organise your stag, and what kind of stag would it be? <laughs> I guess this could be past or present. Oh. Gaza. Who jumps the mine? Obviously to mind? Gaza. Well, you think Gaza. Gaza I yeah. thought Gaza, but then I think in reality it probably wouldn't happen. Like, Same could, as you all I don't, to think, I don't think Gaza to. would be organised enough. You'd want him on the stag, absolutely. But I don't. I don't think Gaza actually <laughs> being <laughs> organising it would be that productive. <laughs> I ropes, that's pretty much it. I, I feel like someone like a James Madison might be able to, to put together a stag. He, he seems like Madison, he seems a kind of character. What do you reckon? Delhi Ali, maybe. Yeah, Delhi's a good shot. Wouldn't go with Harry Kane. No, Harry Kane. Imagine the stag Harry Kane put together. You'd be out in a cottage on a vineyard somewhere, just like... (laughs) That sounds lovely. Sitting around (laughs) playing cards or... (laughs) and he was like I wish that was my stack yeah that sounds (laughs) glorious
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hurricane then who else I mean Gomez seems fun I bet you can throw a party Benoit for a a more culture holiday for a more cultured holiday I think Eric Dye would
3: be pretty decent because he speaks multiple languages he seems quite smart if you wanted to do let's (laughs) spend a few days in Barcelona he'd know where the nice places would be so if you wanted a more middle of the road yeah like the kind of stuff where you could drink without going like Malia Ibiza like kind of a middle of the road one I'd probably trust Aya. hmm I feel like I'm catching some straights. Here. <laughs> I think Van Van der
0: Vaart, de Vaart would be good. I feel like yeah. he's been to a lot of cities and he knows a lot about them. Yeah. You want someone worldly with enough about them, but also someone who's uh, not too mental. Go ahead on his shoulders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Oh, obvious one. Edgar Davis. Oh, yeah. Okay. Stag in Amsterdam. Mental. Yeah. <laughs> We'd all need those glasses after that. <laughs> what would you rather experience? I'm moving this on. <laughs> what would you rather experience? A thrilling last minute win against Arsenal or a dominant 5 0 victory over Chelsea? First one,
1: thrilling last minute win over Arsenal. Yep. The, 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 especially if they were the better team that day and we'd really screw them maybe a dodgy decision <laughs> yeah. from the ref in fact a dodgy
0: penalty a dodgy penalty, a dodgy yeah. penalty
1: in our favour in the last minute against Arsenal which really should have been hmm. a red card to one of our players for putting a stud through one of theirs that, that, <laughs> that would be perfect
3: and the person who scored it <laughs> is an ineligible player that's actually the seventh substitution that we've made and that's very same game yeah
0: Yeah, who we took from Arsenal's youth system. (laughs) Um, Would you rather, this is genuinely from chat GPT, uh, would you rather we were only allowed to score bicycle kicks or or Vicario took all of our set pieces for the entire season? Including penalties, <laughs> throw out free kicks, corners. Oh my god! What do you think would have the worst impact on our results? <laughs> Wait, so if we get a, we get a set piece a card, what if he gets injured? So you, if we score a goal, so so Vicar so if we score a goal that's not a bicycle kick, it doesn't Hang count. On. So if Vicario yeah, so is taking penalties, it's a free what does he have kick to do? the opposition. He's taking is penalties. He's taking free kicks. So someone
2: can come in and do he's it. He's even it taking throw-ins.
0: Presumably, he's even taking throw-ins because he can't hit it twice. So, so, it be, so if, if Vicario yeah. was
2: taking a penalty.
0: Every free kick has to be so direct. Then hit, do a bicycle kick? Oh no, it, it'll be
2: fine because <laughs> no, be no, no. The these aren't but these. These are mutually okay, exclusive. So, so it's the one or the other, one other is, Dave. So, it's so one if you or you the a other. Penalty,
1: if he was taking corners, or do you score it?
0: If he was taking corners, we'd <laughs> be so susceptible on the counter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The opposition <laughs> sure would
0: play like rugby, wouldn't they? <laughs> they just they just kick it into touch. They just kick it into touch down the field, so that he'd have to take the throw-in, and it's the goal yeah. wide open, no, but we and could, then just bomb ten men forward on the press.
3: We could just get like a Giovanni Vio routine because if we're taking a corner, I would have absolutely, <laughs> see, I would have everybody back, nobody in the box, and I would get just get Vicario to punt at seventy yards backwards and just restart the attack. I'll say this: he sprints back to I'll door. say this: he
0: is good with his feet. Has anyone seen him take Hang a free kick? He might be quite I'm good. Completely overthinking this. The answer is obviously overhead kicks bicycle kicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It'd be great. How long do you think it would take the commentators to realize that that's the rules we were playing <laughs> if we were only allowed to score by speakers. <laughs> if it was Richarlison, I don't Trevor think doing They the wouldn't punishment. think anything was wrong if it was Richarlison. They just think he's going about his you business. You hire
2: Trevor Sinclair as a special coach
0: and it'll all work out. <laughs> okay, but that's but a quick fire. Who would you rather take a last minute direct free kick? Eriksson or Bale? No Vicario this time. Bale. Bale. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, easily. Imagine Tottenham had to play a match on a pitch made entirely of jelly. How would they adapt their playing style and who would be the messiest player after the match? <laughs> I did not write these questions. ChatGPT wrote these questions. How how deep long is the jelly? Right? Does it go up to your ankles? Does it go up to your knees? How much jelly? I imagine the jelly is strong enough to at least stop you from falling into it. I imagine you can run on the jelly. It's probably like running on like a bouncy castle, I imagine. Let's say the pitch is a bouncy castle.
1: <laughs> we would only be able to play players who had exceptional touch and low centers of gravity. So so no more, no more tall players, yeah. no more big beats. It would all have to be basically Man or Solomon's.
2: Disagree, disagree. If you've got jelly on the floor, it's not going to roll and move. So you need, you need, you need play route one. Long ball, one touch. It's long ball. It's got to be long to ball. Crouch,
0: crouch, heads it down, gather, <laughs> volleys it in. That's it. Yeah. that's how you score goals. Yeah, we're bringing back Lorento for this. I think. I'm, I think that's the only way. That's the only way. Uh, would you rather? Have the entire Tottenham have the entire Tottenham team play every match in clown costumes or in their pajamas? Pajamas, yeah, yeah, pajamas clown is less embarrassing, isn't it?
1: Clown, no, it's the clown <laughs> costumes. They have they have huge feet. At least you can control the ball with. Yeah, you'd be with, offside. Uh,
2: Exactly. And pajamas give you a give you a, a look into their personality as well.
3: Well no, that's what I was gonna ask though, because yeah. surely they have to be matching, otherwise it's gonna be really confusing. They've got to be in the same kit, no. So matching it's gotta be, got be the yeah. same set of like spurs branded pajamas, surely. You got Eric Dyer and his Paw Patrols and Macario <laughs> yeah. and bananas and pajamas. <laughs> just-
0: Richardson doesn't wear pajamas. <laughs> just shows up, he's like, What? This is how I sleep, deal with it. <laughs> There are some semi normal ones in here, but I feel like I've lowered the tone now too far. I did miss one earlier, by the way. but speaking of lowering the tone from Mark Grogan. Brace yourselves. Um, Fk, Mary kill. Harry Kane, Gareth <laughs> Bale, David Janola. That's easy. Ooh. I think this is an easy one, isn't it? Kill Kane.
1: Um, I mean, kill Kane, marry Bale,
0: Shag Janola. Easy. Yeah. Are you saying kill Kane because you're so bitter about him leaving? No. Is, it, is it too fresh?
1: No, I'm saying kill Kane because I'm... Would you really like golf? No.
3: no, you don't want to shag him and he's got the personality of toast without any butter on it, so you wouldn't want to marry him either. So he's,
0: he's the obvious one to kill. I mean, it, as a straight man, I think if there's a man on the planet that I would choose to have sex with, it's probably David Ginola. And now that's recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it's suddenly occurring to me that there will be people for whom this is their first ever episode. And their last. Hi, guys. <laughs> it's not like this calling every Frigin
2: week. Ginola calling Jake Humphrey a wanker live on air on BT Sport. That's the reason
0: to love him. That is the reason to love him. He did do that. That's high performance He did right do there. that. That was incredible. Would you rather... This is a good one. Would you rather witness the entire Tottenham squad attempting a synchronized goal celebration dance after a goal or Postacoglu doing cartwheels on the sidelines? <laughs> what? <What's laughs> that's, that's, the first one? That's, that's the easiest one so far. A synchronized goal celebration dance or Big Henge doing cartwheels? Bigger Henge doing cartwheels, obviously. Yeah, that's that's the easiest one so far, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, ChatGBT. Do better. If Tottenham players were characters in the Star Wars universe, cool. which player would make the best Jedi and who would be most tempted by the dark side of the Force? I like this question.
1: I feel like Toby Alderweireld would be a very dark side kind of guy. He's got that look about him. Yeah? Yeah, there, I, there's something about very this.
0: murdering innocence that, that, about Toby <laughs> Alderweireld. LAUGHTER I thought about this earlier and I think, I think Richarlison has a touch of the Kylo Ren's about him. He seems (laughs) like he has this kind of conflicted, troubled soul, you know, he's, he's very, he's very up and down with his emotions, isn't he? So I, I don't know. I feel like Richarlison could turn to the dark side.
1: I mean, let's be honest. It'll be Romero on the
0: dark side, 100%. Yeah. I feel like Romero has got a better control of his mind than we would give him credit for.
3: Ben Davis strikes me as a potential good Jedi. He's got an air of Yoda about Definitely. him. Definitely.
0: I think so. Yeah. I think so. We're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here. This is another one that ChatGPT GPT threw up, which is actually, you know, vaguely related to football. They've given me two five-a-side teams, and they've asked you guys to decide which of these teams would win. Now, the first team is Glenn Hoddle. Harry Kane, Paul Gascoigne, Ledley King, and Hugo Lloris. That one's wins. The second team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait for it. You, you say that. You say that. It's it's, not, it's it's quite close. The second team is Jimmy Greaves, ah. Christian Eriksen, Gareth Bale, Dave Mackay, and Pat Jennings. Oof. Would Bale be wasted in a
3: five-a-side given his primary strengths? Like... I don't know if you see the best of spell on a five-a-side format, so I'll probably stick with the first one.
1: Bobble <laughs> and Paul Gascoigne are not just the two greatest Spurs midfielders of all time, but probably two of the top five most talented English midfielders of all time. So mm. that that's part of it. Also, both players that can just score from any angle and any part of the pitch at any given time. Greaves and Kane, you're pretty much splitting hairs. Greaves is probably the better, but it's not as if Kane's missing any chances that come to him in five-a-side. And Ledley King is every bit a world-class centre-back as David McKay was a world-class midfielder, so... So I'd say I'd say team number one. Weirdly,
2: I was having this conversation on my own with myself uh, earlier today. I was trying to work <laughs> out not that weird, Dave. Like, what the best five aside leads team would be. So it's so weird that you've asked this question. I, I came up with I came up oh, with yeah. like basically a team oh, yeah. of rottweiler Did bastards you... who would not stop running until they overpowered a team. So
0: <laughs> I was basically my, 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 my team That's my most team, of you team, isn't it, Dave? Batty, Bremner,
2: Oya and Milner. <laughs> just four people running like lunatics. Endless energy running like lunatics just pissing everybody off. Wouldn't score many goals I wouldn't
0: concede any. And, and obviously Nigel Martin in goal because he's the best goalkeeper. What's the best Spurs five-a-side team of players that we've actually watched? Players from our generation. Laurie Loris Laurie goal, king at the back. Do we need to be able to play it? You roll it out don't you in five-a-side. Of you don't our need to generation. Yeah. Oh, obviously yeah. can we just put Moussa Dembele in right now? Alongside Luka Wadja yeah. with Harry Kane up
3: front. That's your team. Loris yeah. King. King, Modric, then yeah. King.
0: That sounds good.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: In agreement? Yeah.
1: The only slight argument I'd have against that, even though Ledley King was the better defender, just maybe have Vatongan ahead of him for the fact that Vatongan's far more likely to score a goal from one side of the five of a side pitch to the other. Fair enough.
0: Hmm. Okay, interesting. I like this. I like the amount of thought we're giving to some of these pointless questions. I love it. This is what I wanted.
1: Also, I want to make sure no disrespect intended to Dave McKay when if there was any negative comparison against Ledley King, because I mean, both very similar two players who could play whatever position they wanted basically and both great great footballers both yeah wonderful captains for us as well obviously Mackay basically played on broken legs for us at points and ledley king played without one knee so very 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 yeah. comparable except dave
0: Mackay won a whole bunch of stuff for us as well yeah yeah well ledley king never throttled billy Bremner, did he so when he's coming up against dave's five-a-side team we need we need oh, yeah, someone to show him his that. boss you don't, want to, you don't want to put them against each other there you in go this, in this fantasy exactly lab. Uh, we've got another question here this comes we were we're carrying on with the theme of the brooker family this is from one of our longest serving listeners who is actually joe's dad and he's better known in some circles as big mike uh, <laughs> i've listened to this already and i'm laughing in anticipation of how how difficult this question is and if any of you actually get this i'll be really impressed this is a question from big mike dags elio david not joe <laughs> You guys came down to
1: Bristol on the 3rd of December 2022, and we watched the Holland USA game in one pub. What was its name? We had to go there because we couldn't watch it in the first pub we went to. What was its name? And lastly, we had a few beers outside a pub where Elio showed off his football knowledge. What was the name of that one?
0: Well, congratulations, Big Mike. I think that's the most difficult question that has ever been asked on this podcast. Um, Sox, you're immediately at a disadvantage here, I think. I think I'm out, yeah, by virtue yeah. of the fact that I wasn't there. You weren't yeah. there, yeah.
3: <laughs> I, can, I can take that a for. I'll go for one of them is the King's Head, and then the other one can Your be desk. the Red
0: Lion, because I think those are the two you most popular pub names in Britain, aren't they? <laughs> be massively impressed if you get them. Dave, Elio, any idea whatsoever? Um,
1: I think we were in a pub called The Ostrich. This- we were in a pub called The Ostrich. Nostrid. Very good. That, was that, that is the, one of them. That was the third pub that we had a beer outside afterwards. And the reason I know that is because there's a photo of the four of us outside it that I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> gonna Lovely. We're going to have to post that
2: photo getting, on our Twitter. Uh, we watched the game in Walkabout, didn't we? We did. Very good. I, you, you guys are
0: not have People waiting to watch the
1: Australia game.
0: That's right. And then we just so, decided to ditch it and watch it at home. Yeah, that is absolutely right. So,
1: Ostrich and Walkabout, what was the first pub?
0: I have absolutely no knowledge of that first one. I think Walkabout was the first one. I think Ostrich was the third one. Let's see if Sox was right for the middle one. He's also sent through the answers. Here we go.
1: The answers were in the order in which they were asked. Walkabout, where we watched it. The old fish market, where they weren't showing it. And finally, the ostrich next to the docks. Good luck. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thanks, Big Mike. That is, I'm honestly genuinely impressed that you guys actually got two of those. Genuinely, sincerely impressed. Um. Anyway, brilliant. Well, um, I feel like I've successfully managed to scrape every last part of the bottom of the barrel out in this one. Um, I've had a blast, though. This has been fun. I've enjoyed this. As ridiculous and silly as it is, I feel like we got the balance right between some actual serious topics and some just damn right stupid ones. And it was a lot of fun. A nice review here. It's not really a review. It's just a message from a friend saying, uh, listening to you, guys now actually really like socks it's nice not to have elio dominate the chat
2: i agree <laughs>
0: <laughs> you probably know who that is elio i'll tell you i'll tell you i'll tell I'm you go with either um, Nick or charles yeah you would be right yeah it's, it's <laughs> certainly one of those two what
1: is everybody's highlight of doing this over the last two years
0: i'd love that's to that's a know great that. question that is a great question that's
1: my question
0: Okay, I mean the two obvious standouts. I mean the fact that John decided to come on for an episode was completely wild and out of left field. So um I quite like that. I did not expect him to respond. So that was fun. But I think I have to single out, and this might be you guys as well, the, the Kennington Film Studios experience where we actually went and pretended that we were mm. real professionals for the day and went and, because uh, it was also the day out, wasn't it? We went to watch, They <laughs> would not have enjoyed the game because we thrashed Leeds. But for anyone who isn't aware of what we're talking about, we decided to mark the occasion of Spurs Leeds by going to a pub in London, uh, watching the game together and then going and recording in a professional podcast studio, like real podcasters, you know with our fancy microphones and our fancy earphones that was a good day out i enjoyed that what about you guys anything that stands out beyond the obvious
3: i've obviously not been doing it as long as you guys but just simply the fact that i get to spend time with my friends
0: and elio (laughs) <laughs> i was i was sitting here just like oh i'm gonna have to roast him for this that was I was way too earnest and sincere like i can't i can't let that go and then you pulled it right back excellent that was like the stephen berg of comments the,
1: the level of abuse i get for the mere crime of existing knowing more than the rest of you about what we do every week
0: <laughs> It is incredible.
1: <laughs> I mean, Dave doesn't need to be a Spurs genius because he doesn't support Spurs, but yeah, the, the inferiority complex is going on here. i just <laughs> just sad to see. And I was actually going to be complimentary with what I was about to say as well. I'm not you're sure. I'm you're underappreciated,
0: now. Elio, for your talents. You're like Musa Dembele. You know, it will be years that will pass before people look back and go, you know what, Elio actually was quite good. <laughs> I've decided
3: oh. from earlier, this isn't his origin story for a superhero. This is definitely the supervillain origin story. <laughs> that might
0: have been decided. Go on, Elia. What was yours going to be?
1: So I think obviously Kennington Studios as an individual highlight. That was a great day out. Overriding sort of being able to just talk about football with my mates for a couple of hours every week is is really, really great. Obviously, the older you get, the less opportunity you do have to do that generally in life because you have these horrible little things called responsibilities that take up your time instead. Uh, Whereas Mm -hmm. when you're in school, you've got to talk about football eight hours a day and maybe learn something from time to time too. I think just sort of seeing the way the chat has evolved and the way we've all probably evolved in our own ways in how we talk about things is probably... This episode aside. This episode aside, yeah, is probably the biggest (laughs) highlight for me because especially obviously you and I have known each other our entire lives and... I think it's fair to say that you've had dips in and out of being an avid Spurs fan when you're a teenager, and sort of maybe when we weren't as good as stuff like that. And I guess it's oh, quite dear. nice for me. Well, maybe, but no, just, I think it's, that's been fair. Quite, it's, it's been quite nice to me to see, obviously, who obviously always has supported us, actually take the sort of borderline psychopathic interest in <sighs> Spurs that i've had my whole life since we've done this podcast it, it seems to have fueled you to be far keener and far more involved with what goes at the club which is obviously nice for me because you're my best mate so yeah that's something i've really taken to doing this podcast see i said i was going to say something nice so
0: basically what you're saying is you have finally thanks i appreciate that so what you're saying is you, you finally managed to drag me down to your level with you well, you've, you've managed to drag me kicking and screaming into spurs obsession well done well, yeah very good effort dave dave what are your thoughts on the two years of Plus Daving? Four words. Clint, huh? City, Yaya, <laughs> Dempsey. <laughs> I could
1: everybody explain needs that. I
0: to re-listen to everything to work out what we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, listen back to all 83 episodes until you get that reference and then is come back it, to isn't us. is it the title of one of the episodes? It is indeed. It is. That's probably an easy way of narrowing it down. Yeah. <laughs> it is indeed. It is indeed. Um, which reminds me, of course, go and check out my video about the guy whose middle names those actually are, Musa C.D. Dembele on YouTube. And, uh, and yeah, while you're at it, you know what? Like us, follow us, share us, review us, tweet us, X us, whatever us. Send us an email. <laughs> yeah. what is so, I think Sorts of is frantically gesturing. Send us an email email and um and get in touch with us and yeah like i said we're, we're always always happy to hear stuff even when it's not an episode like this
3: we should give them the email which is the mistake that we make every week when we say send us an email and then we just
0: end the episode without giving them the email just guess it. Yeah, well, I mean, you probably could guess it. It's, it's plusdavepodcast at gmail.com is our email address. So yeah, send us anything in. We don't do too many of these, but we'll try and answer any questions you send in and we're, we're always happy to hear from you guys. And once again, thanks so much for everyone listening and, and for helping us break our record month, two months running and maybe even on course for a third, depending on how many people hear this and decide, nope, that is enough Plus podcast for me. But hopefully you enjoyed this. This was something a little bit different. I had a lot of fun and we're going to be back to normal service next week where, we're going to be reviewing the Sheffield United game, which we kind of previewed last week. Obviously, a long way in between the games with the international break. We're going to look at a couple of signings, ins and outs that have made since then, all the stuff that we probably should have done today, but were far too busy answering questions about playing football on jelly, doing bicycle kicks, and murdering Harry Kane or whatever it was. So uh, we're going to uh, we're going to wrap it up there. But guys, this has been a pleasure. I feel like this has been a party worthy of our two year anniversary. Thanks all of you guys for joining. Thanks all you guys for listening. Join us next week for hopefully a slightly more regular episode. Until then, stay classy, Spurs fans. We'll see you next week.